So are you separated or divorced? And is it feeling like pretty much the hardest thing in the world? Yeah, I know, honey. When I was going through mine, I wished there had been a guide to walk me through the grieving and assessing and praying and healing. So I created one. Heartbreak to Hope is my three-month companion that covers things like your childhood, defining and accepting your current reality, talking about rejection and loneliness, forgiveness, and taking care of yourself and your children through this transition. Heartbreak to Hope is now pay what you can afford, and you can now receive it either through weekly email content or as a one-time PDF. So there's never been a better time to take the step. Let's get your healing journey started today. Check the show notes for how to sign up. Hey, sweet ones. Welcome to a very special episode of the All That To Say podcast with me, your host, Elizabeth. On this podcast, we talk about the hard stuff. A, because I've been through a lot of it. B, because most of you have too. And C, because I really believe that we have a loving God who sometimes gives us second chances. Today, we're talking about remarriage and blending families, but I'm not the only one who's going to be talking. I want to welcome back my sweet husband, Richard. Hello. Glad to be here. So we have been married over eight years now, and he sweetly accepted my invitation to answer listener questions. If you haven't already listened to our episodes on divorce or dating after divorce, remarriage, or the one that we did on blending our family with our daughter, Sarah, you want to check those out after you listen to this episode. And you can look up episodes 9, 21, 52, and 89. Okay, we are going to just dive in because there's lots of questions and we'll see you what we get to. Okay. Um, I'm starting with this one. This actually is uh, not really a listener question. This is something that I want to throw out there. So something that I realized that both Richard and I have said a lot over the course of our marriage is that, first of all, we get along most of the time, which we are very grateful for. But what I realized, probably I might have been saying it more, but that when we argue, like 95% of the time, it's about our kids. And I've been thinking about just me saying that and realizing only very recently how actually really hurtful that could be if our kids heard us say that. And they probably have heard us say that. Um, So I wanted to talk about that for just a moment um, because it's not like literally our children that we're fighting about, that we're arguing about or disagreeing about. I think it's like, there's that phrase, the thing under the thing. I think it's more um, coming from different parenting styles, um, coming from different, our own childhoods and how we were raised was different. Um, And so I guess I would change how I say that. And I want to work on how I phrase that, that it might be more that when we argue, it's about parenting. It's not literally about our actual kids. Right. It's more about navigating whatever the situation is going to arise. Right. Right. So I'm sorry, children, for making it sound like we argue about you and you are the only thing that we argue about. That's just not, (laughs) 
that wasn't nice. Okay. So, um, okay. So one of the first questions, is there anything you would have done differently before marriage to make the blending of the family go more smoothly? Uh, we talked about that a little bit too, just a little bit ago. Um, you could have girls, you could have boys. It doesn't matter. You could have three, five, one. You have to navigate that. Like two might be on board. Mm -hmm. Three might not be. Four might be. One might not be out of five. And I think it's just going to hit different for each and every different individual. How yes. close they are to you as a dad or how close they are to you as a mom. Are they losing a mom? Are they gaining a dad? I mean, I think they have so many questions that mm. I've never been through that as a, my parents are still married and looking at each one of our five kids, there's different levels to each one of them and they're all good. It's just, we can't predict on how they're going to take uh, me coming in to their lives or Elizabeth coming into my side. I would just um, try to meet as much as you can and don't force anything. Don't we, I think we tried to force it too much and yes. like maybe even ask them if like, Hey, would you like to meet him? And depending on the age, I would say maybe more in the teens and upper late, late teens. If they're younger, you're probably pretty much going to have to take them and meet them because that's probably normal. But, I would just like maybe give them a little choice and help let them set the venue like, oh, let's go to Red Lobster or McDonald's or something just for a meet and greet and take one step at a time. I don't think you definitely shouldn't force it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's interesting hearing you say like you've never done this. Your parents are still together. That makes me realize that I actually had gone through that. And I should have had more empathy um, of trying to look at all of this through all of our children's eyes. Um, I mean, we, we can't undo the things that we've done. Um, I for sure went into it like, I, I love being a mom so much that I just kind of went into it like, three more kids. Yay. Um, and not really even thinking like how that would just be jarring, um, for those three kids who have a mom. And so, um, I remember one, this is such a tiny thing, but the, um, I think it was the night that I was going to meet your daughter, uh, was the night before her first day of school. And I had this plan that um, we were going to take her out to eat or get ice cream or something. And then we were going to go get her a manicure to get her all ready for school. And I'm like, okay, whoa, I'm so glad that I like backed it up. And I'm like, she has a mom that could be completely stepping all over if her mom wants to do a manicure for her or whatever. And so instead I just like bought her a small little nail polish set, you know, as a little, hi, I'm this new person. But I did a lot of, um, we did a lot of things right, I think. And I think the thing, the absolute biggest thing we could have done differently that we've said in almost every time we've talked about this is if we could have stretched out the time more. All of our kids in different ways 
really could have benefited from a longer courtship on our part. Um, and then this kind of leads into this question a little bit. How soon do you think is too soon or, um, to meet kids in a relationship? I think that just echoing what you already said, mm -hmm. I think it depends on the kid, their age, um, the, you know, whether it's a long distance relationship or the guy lives down the street. I mean, if you guys like go to the same church, they're eventually, they're going to meet, you know, probably really soon. Um, the relationship with the other parents probably kind of plays into that a little bit. Um, but I would say, oh gosh, I mean, you can't wait until you think it's someone you'll marry because mm -hmm. that's like probably waiting way too long, but you also don't want to be like parading in one person, new person after another, that can just be, I don't want to use the word traumatic. That'd be really hard for a kid. I was thinking like if, um, if you're dating someone and your kids, what level they are, even grade school, high school, I think they're, they're, it's not bad if you maybe put hints out there, oh, I'm going on a date. Maybe like, like give them breadcrumbs mm. up till yeah, yeah. like a month or two months down the road. Like give them little breadcrumbs like, oh, I'm meeting Bill today for coffee. Uh, I'm meeting like Bill for dinner tonight. Like yeah, maybe, maybe throw his name in there a few times and get it comfortable with like, oh, mommy must be seeing someone named Bill. Right. And then just work up to that like, like maybe I think maybe they might even come up with questions. Kids mm -hmm. are curious. They're like, "Oh, okay, mom, who is this Bill guy?" Right. Oh, he's a, he's a nice man I've met from church or from work or something, and I'm starting to have feelings or whatever. I'm dating him, and then maybe like each each night or whatever at the at the dinner table, bring it up and let let them talk. Kids are eager to talk. Most kids are. Yeah. So I would just take it slowly. I, I would recommend that you don't do it too soon. I dated before Elizabeth and I've met kids way too early and, mm. and kids get attached to people. Yeah. I mean, some, some kick back, but some really attach and, and they really want you to be their friend, their dad or whatever they're thinking. Yeah. And when it doesn't work out, they're, they're devastated and, I don't feel like you, anybody wants that for their kids or anybody else's kids. So just tread lightly when you meet someone new. And even you might even think that he's Mr. Right now, but in a week from now, he might, he might have a, a value or something that you can't live with. And then right. Mr. Right's already out the door and you're on to the next guy trying to yeah. Because let's face it, dating's hard these days. and It's hard as an adult, let alone what our kids must be right. feeling watching it. And especially if you have a kid in the picture. I mean, you're on high alert already. And there's right. a lot of things that you won't stand for now that you might have put up with when you were mm. single. Yes, that's and, a really good point. Yeah. Uh, something that I prayed about well before the whole dating thing came up, but just navigating... Uh, when I first was separating and everything was the, I would pray the phrase that I used was to be appropriately authentic with my kids. I wanted to be really careful not to share too much, which I know I messed that up. Um, but I also wanted to make sure that I wasn't leaving them in the dark. Um, that if I felt they could handle something, I would try to, you know, let them know what the situation was. I, I would try to keep it simple. Um, 
it's also good to ask open-ended questions or let the kids know. If you have anything you want to ask me about the fact that I'm dating now, you know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm open to that, um, that kind of a thing. And also maybe answer less than you think they want to know and they can ask more questions. Um, I just heard a great phrase of risk saying less. You might end up telling them way more than they want to even know. Um, yeah. Okay. So we'll keep going with this because they're all, almost all of these questions. It's really interesting. Um, we must have struck a nerve with Sarah in that conversation. Um, okay. Another gal said, I think the topic of being a role model for, for children in the way one handles divorce is a good one, particularly the benefit of forgiving the spouse after divorce and how that impacts children. Oof. <laughs> this would um this one might be interesting to see what my sons or daughter mm-hmm. think of this uh i know that the divorce process was very hard on me and i was quiet and shut down and depressed mm-hmm. but i don't think i ever did anything inappropriate during that process with them that i ever bad my ex or anything like that or led them to believe that it was never my fault i think once i went through like where i saw my failures and mistakes and i owned up to them i might not have owned up to them to them now back then but i do now i may make sure now that i i'm totally transparent and i would tell them anything that they ask me now yeah but yeah that's i i I'd like to see what their take on that was. I, yeah. I, I definitely don't ever want to have any harsh feelings towards my ex, no matter yeah. whatever happened in our marriage right. of 20 plus years. Um, gosh, this is a tough one. Um, though I have forgiven my ex-spouse, um, our situation was not um, cut and dry, like divorce date came and then everything, you know, we all went on our separate ways, which many of you who are divorced and, you know, co-parenting, you know that divorce date doesn't, in some instances, it can escalate some of the issues. So I don't know if my kids, I know for sure my kids saw me um, lose my temper. They saw me cry through the separation divorce, they saw that during my marriage too. Um, I hope they know I've done the work of forgiving. Um, that would probably be more for my kids to answer how it's, how my relationship with their dad has impacted their relationship with their dad. I'm not sure I should say much more on that. So I will move into. Was the there next a role question. model thing on there too? Yeah, she said the top. Um, like I guess okay. So were we good role models for how to get through a divorce to our? Were we good role models to our children? I think, I think that I could have been, but I'm not sure as that the role model as the father at the time with my anger issues and my trust and. Mm. And the parenting part, I think that was damaging that I don't know how my role model 
my work ethic probably showed through and being gone a lot probably showed through. But mm. as far as like your with with Sarah and Jack, I'm not sure how that my role model to them would have been in effect at, at the meeting point. Right. They didn't really know me enough to yeah. for me. I don't think I would I didn't really help try to parent at that first point. Yeah. And that's still even touchy now, like with even with adult children, it's tough to navigate how to parent adult children. Yes. I don't think it ever gets easy. Yeah. We'll get to that in a second. Cause I think that's kind of oh, one of the next questions or mm. two, but um, I would say that I was not a good role model, role model as a wife in my first marriage. I don't think I was a great role model, someone getting through divorce. Um, I would like to think that hopefully I have been a role model as far as allowing God to bring healing and to bring um, redemption and like a ministry came out of my pain. I think my kids have very clearly seen that in my life. And I would like, I would hope that all of our kids would see our marriage as something that's different especially as we settle into it more. Um, I feel like we're just getting stronger and steadier as time goes by. So, um, okay. Um, one gal said, I enjoyed your podcast on blending families. My kids are the same age as yours when you were blended. It's so much harder than I imagined. Exclamation point. And she said, I feel constant anxiety in keeping the peace. Oh, okay. So her, her question is any tips on releasing that control? and letting those relationships evolve on their own. Uh, okay, so we're eight years in. And did I say we were married eight years? That's right. No I, wonder I you, were, you were counting. Like, I'm like, why is he seven. I know how many. We've been married seven years. Hello. Oh, <laughs> too bad there's no edit button on this uh, podcast. That's funny. Um, but still. Okay, so seven plus years in. And... Okay. So there's, to me, this is, there's two parts to this. Three parts. There's probably five parts. I could probably do an entire episode just on this question. A, I have felt so much anxiety over the years. It's, it's really sad, actually. Um, the amount of joy that it has stolen from my life over the years is really sad. Um, one thing, and I, you know, I didn't have, I don't have this written down. One thing that has helped me unbelievably, and I only just did it back in the fall was EMDR. And I think I did a little podcast episode about it, or I, I at least explained it. Um, EMDR plus Jesus practically made my kid related and relationships and blended family anxiety dissipate. And it, I, it was put to the test during this holiday season where I get really amp, amped up with my anxiety regarding trying to make sure we're seeing everyone and everyone's somewhat happy and okay. And we're fair with all the gift giving, all of that. Um, this was the first year in all of our holidays together that I wasn't anxious, which is huge. Um, gosh, I mean, 
we touched on this with the Sarah um, episode where she had said to me, maybe a year in, might've been less than that. You're trying to make us an Insta family and you need to stop. And she was right. Um, one thing the past couple of years, I came up with this phrase for any time we get together or we try to get together, everyone is, what is it? Everyone is invited and but no one is required. Right. But no one is required. It's a longer phrase. It kind of rhymes. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> I was proud of myself for coming up with it. Everyone is welcome and invited. No one is expected or required. Something like that. Anyway. Um, and whether they believed me or not, and I've said it to them a bunch of times, because I'm trying to get it to be like part of our family culture. I genuinely mean it. We understand if they, if someone cannot come to something we're trying to get, we all don't live close. So that's really hard. Um, I talked a lot on this one. Go ahead. If you have thoughts. I was thinking like, um, like when you're navigating the whole process of favoritism or whatever you want to call it, it's, we've found out through the last few years of like, each child is their own entity and what can we do for them that will help them and not harm them and, mm. and meet them where each kid's at. One kid might need this, one kid might not. Yeah. So you have to get away from like the fairness, like say, like, say like even like money. Yeah. That's just the easiest way to go. Someone might need a hundred bucks for their well being, And can I give, all five hundred bucks. I could, but but should I? Yeah. And if they're it, listening, they're like, yes. And, <laughs> yeah. And then there's like other things, like what can I? Should I inject this into their lives, or should I let them figure it out? Yeah. And that's where the tricky part is: is where you you become too much of a parent. Yes. And you overparent, or you find out that you've underparented, and which yes. is worse. So you have to try to find that middle of the road where you can't like lead the witness into what, like what you want to happen. Let them, yes. let God figure out what's going to happen and, and be at peace with that. Yes. I would say that that's probably going to be the toughest. One of the struggles is with your kids, yeah. whether it's one, five, 10, I, I don't know if there's going to be ever a right or a wrong. And it's just, that's that's going to be the most difficult part of a of a new marriage, right. or or even if you're in still in the same marriage and you're starting to yeah. figure stuff out. Right. I would say like just let go a little bit if you can. Yeah, that was one of the things that we came to our marriage. Um, if there's a, you know kind of this spectrum of uh, not I guess parenting styles. Um, his kids were older and there was a little bit of like, yeah, I've been through this. Like I've done this like four years ahead. Yeah. Four, yeah. Four or five years ahead. And I was on the other end of the spectrum. Like I will never be done being a mother. And I kind of, you know, we're looking at each other right. like we have got to somehow meet a little bit more in the middle because this is gonna be a nightmare. And it, it was really, really hard guys. I mean, we've kind of alluded to it. Um, but over the years, I am almost picturing us each 
kind of softening the other a little bit. Moving more to each other's beliefs, like to yes. the middle. He's helping me through the process of letting them go. So during the, so you're talking about this gal saying like releasing that control, letting those relationships evolve. So at the same time, both of my kids were like getting ready to go off to college. So I was literally doing empty nesting at the same time. And it was, it was awful, but he was helping me let go a little bit more um, appropriately. And I think I was maybe helping, I don't know, pursue them more. I don't know, but it's, I feel like we're, we balanced each other out. Um, it didn't feel like a balance at first. It felt like we will never figure this out. It felt um, almost too hard. Um, Plus I think like the, the technology of today is a lot different than when we were younger. Yes. When I left for the military at age 17, I couldn't text my mom saying the drill sergeant's being mean to me. <laughs> I had to live through that. Yes. And a 17 year old going off to college is a lot different now than back in the yeah. eight, back in the eighties. So yeah. I think the technology plays a lot into to our parenting now too. Like sure. With, I think parent I could be wrong, but I have way higher expectations on my kids to communicate with me than my mom and dad had on oh, me. Oh, definitely. I, yeah. I mean, you know, we're, we kind of look at it like, we know they're walking around with their phone in their hands. <laughs> I was going to stand in line at the payphone every right? every hour to send mom and dad a little message. I know that. Right. It's just it's just the technology now, and that kind of oversteps parenting now, too, a little bit. Right. Like you can know where they're at or what they're doing or, and stuff like that. Just, just try to let them evolve and be who God meant them to be. Yes. I would say too, that as our kids have gotten older and you know, none of them live with us anymore. Um, my prayer life has like gone up for them. I'm sure I, I have no doubt I prayed for them through their lives, but it's a different thing when prayer is the only thing now, technically, I mean, I can do other things, but prayer is the main thing I can do for them now. There's not me going in and fixing any of their messes anymore. So I know we're kind of off a track there, but praying for them is the main thing you can do to help release that control. Literally asking God to help you let them go will help. Um, okay. Da, 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 da. Um, do you want to talk about how you viewed your role as a stepfather? Um, yeah. I think I kind of waited back looking back at it. I don't feel like I, that's a tough one. I, I, I always knew that they had their own dad and he had his responsibilities as a parent and I didn't, I wanted to be there for them, but I don't think I ever wanted to like step in and tell them what they should do or yeah. how to handle things. Maybe I waited back for like questions, but yeah. Yeah, I feel like I would tread lightly with that one too. Is that if you get yeah. a stepfather that's a little too harsh and over zealous, like with his, yeah, like whatever his beliefs are, that could be damaging. Yeah. Because yeah. I knew I, I still had stuff I was working through what I believed in. Yeah. So, I, I mean, my beliefs just over the last seven, eight years have changed even mm -hmm. of what a parent should do or shouldn't do. Right. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, did you feel like your children were being compared? 
Uh, I think I probably did a little more comparison than you did. Mm. I always was, um, I was always on the fairness. Like, I don't know if that is deep instilled in me with my sisters and growing up or. He's also an Enneagram eight girl. So that. I don't even know what that is either. <laughs> so I just, um, I know I'm, I'm more on the fairness side. Like if you give Sally five bucks, you're going to give Tommy five bucks. And mm. like I said, we had to work through that even of the fairness to what their needs are. But. Like I say, I'm a work in progress and I know changing for sounds like wishy-washy, but I think that you change for the better if you pray about it and think about yeah. it. And you, once you've been on both sides of it and can come up with a logical reasoning, I think you're best off. Yeah. But yeah. Um, <laughs> What's your thought? on the cheat the, the fairness and... the fairness i remember bringing it to our counselor and because i was really struggling with it i i didn't know like how do you even how are you even fair when it comes to like emotional or relational things and i and you've even kind of you already just kind of alluded to this she just said there is no fair when it comes to kids she said it's what each individual child needs in the moment you determine if and you know, if you should do that thing. Um, but that's hard to kind of just break that off of someone when they've believed that right. for so long. So, um, yeah. Okay. I'm trying to th find something to like wrap up really well, but I, we probably could do another one at one, you know, at some point, um, if you have more questions, please let us know. Is there anything you want to say as no. I wrap up? Yeah. Feel free to reach out. And if you, if I've said something that has touched something that, that sparked other questions reach out and we'll talk through it um, like i said there's no right or wrong answer we're all imperfect and we just try to navigate life together yeah um thank you for being on again you're welcome thank <laughs> you for having me sure okay so as you guys probably know i've created a bunch of divorce and remarriage resources i will put them in the show notes um, as long as, as well as links to other episodes that we've done. So sweet ones, all that to say, no matter your relational status or the cho choices you've made, you are the unconditionally beloved daughter of God. And he is so delighted with you. You came into this world and you start each day already completely loved with no other loves to beg for and nothing to prove to anyone till next time. So, so much love. Bye. <laughs>